three of trial practicum is done and there were a couple of interesting things uh the defense rests which ultimately means that they're uh, done taking their testimony uh, done gathering evidence to present their case and then they uh, dismissed the jury so that the uh, the parties can work out some jury instructions and then they'll reconvene tomorrow provide the jury instructions after closing arguments, maybe even do the jury instructions, then closing arguments. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'll talk about that later. And then they'll meet and get a verdict. Uh, but there's a couple of things that I want to note, just procedural, uh, things that were a little unique, I think, to this case. Uh, not necessarily only this case, but some certain parts of it. We open up the day where the... Uh, the defendant ended up taking a deposition of the uh, of one of the witnesses and the whole point of this was whether or not later on in the day the uh, defense could read in a deposition that was previously done and the whole reason for this was uh, there was a subpoena made for a couple of witnesses and the subpoena was not able to be served uh, because they were unable to locate the witnesses at the place of employment or at their home address. Uh, it, there's a bit of controversy whether or not that was a reasonable effort. Uh, I won't get into that, uh, whether um, it, it was or not. Um, but there was just a little bit of controversy there between the two parties and the arguments that they made. It was pretty short, uh, lasting only about, I think, about 10 minutes. Um, Close to 15, maybe. Um, but that was the argument there, and that they ended up going and uh, deposing that witness and what he does uh, for work. Uh, sorry, not deposing, but actually witness uh, testifying on the stand in front of the jury after that event had happened. So that was the defense's third witness, and they ended up having up to 10 witnesses uh, today. Uh, Witnesses 8 through 9 were the depositions that were read in, and this is the other part that I thought was pretty unique. Uh, there was a deposition that was previously taken by these witnesses, but because they couldn't get them to come to court, they were read in, and that was actually read in by one of the law students that was sitting in on the trial. So that was uh, pretty cool, pretty unique experience for him as well as, I think, for all of us to watch and to see that. The final witness was the actual defendant. So ultimately, just hearing the defense story and all that kind of situation, I found this extremely interesting because the defendant is allowed to sit in on the trial, uh, whereas most of the other witnesses are sequestered uh, if requested by the parties, and that's so that their testimony can't be influenced by the testimony of hearing them. So witnesses are not allowed to hear testimony unless if they are no longer planning on being recalled. The exception to that rule are expert witnesses in certain circumstances and the actual defendant, and that's because the actual defendant is entitled to sit in on the trial the entire time. And so ultimately, the defense wants to do the defendant last. Uh, and I actually think and there's a bit of strategy. This isn't just this case, but I think defense attorneys in general do this, where they do the defendant last, and that's so that they have the benefit of hearing the testimony of previous witnesses uh, to help them 
figure out what the story is, how how things went, so they aren't going in it in the dark. I found that interesting too. The prosecutor obviously thought that was the case and um, addressed a couple of questions where I kind of got at that a bit. Uh, there is another related objection uh, that I do want to bring up that was related to this whole situation. Uh, for day three, we finally got leading. I wasn't sure if we were going to get leading as an objection. But that's kind of similar to the legal conclusions where the attorney is making a statement for the uh, witness to agree to. Uh, But for leading, it's for a fact instead of a part of the law. Uh, We also got an objection for previously established. That's just the witness already answered that question. And then the the objection that I was referencing just a couple minutes ago, well, a couple seconds, was marital privilege, and that's because uh, you can't ask a witness to divulge information that was shared between them and their spouse. And in this case, the spouse had testified on the stand, and uh, her testimony contradicted some of his testimony. Uh, And so the uh, prosecutor was... Uh, saying you had the benefit of hearing her testimony, you had the benefit of talking to her about your defense. And that ultimately led to this objection that was made by the defense. Uh, after the witness testified, the defense rested, rest, uh, meaning they're done. There were no rebuttal witnesses from the state. And so the judge uh, told the jury when to show up the next day, uh, and which tomorrow that'll be 9 15 we should be there a little early in case of there's court record stuff that needs to be done uh, and then the judge ended up uh, starting to discuss the jury instructions so after the jury is dismissed uh, the parties uh, have previously prepared instructions they gave it to the judge before the trial and the judge is working on the instructions during the trial to create a draft and then at this point It was an informal meeting where the attorneys and the judge together are to review the instructions as the draft was published to the attorneys. And like I said, this is informal, and so ultimately I think this is what's going to go on the record in the morning, uh, the final parts of the jury instructions. We didn't sit through all the jury instructions because it's just talking about what was submitted and edits that were made. I do want to mention one last thing. I should have mentioned this before the jury instructions because it happened before the jury instructions, but the defense made a motion for acquittal. If you remember from civil procedure, uh, you can make a Rule 50A uh, which is a JMAL, and ultimately what that is is you're asking for a judgment as a matter of law before the jury ends up deliberating, and you do that either at the end of the case or you do that uh, sorry at the end of the other party statements or at the end of the case. Here, the motion for acquittal, although presented only once, applies to both the end of the state's case and the close of all the arguments. It's similar to uh, JMAL, Rule 50, but it's just uh, criminal procedure instead, and it's a motion for acquittal uh, when it comes to the defendant, who ultimately is just saying the state didn't meet their burden, 
this should be acquitted. It doesn't need to go before a jury. My opinion about that is I think this case will go before the jury. And I, I don't know exactly what the jury's going to say, so I'm not going to speculate on that. I'll talk about the verdict when it comes out. We're hoping for a verdict tomorrow afternoon. We'll see what happens. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice, and with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.